Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey y'all, today we are going to be talking about how to show up for the sex talk that your kids deserve. Now, I know that you all come here to hear and read my thoughts on raising and teaching neurodivergent kids and teens, but I'm taking a little detour today because this topic is so important for all parents raising all kids and teens. I was talking to a good friend the other day. We were exchanging stories about how our kids are starting to ask questions about puberty, and I was pretty sure I just grossed out my kid by talking about the arrival of his body hair. My friend admitted that our conversation was causing her to break out into a sweat, and she's not alone. Most parents I talk to shudder at the mention of their child being ready for the quote-unquote sex talk. But here's the thing. This talk is not just one conversation, and it's not just about sex. Kids deserve to accurately understand their sexual and reproductive health. So no more putting this off. Our kids need us. So how did we get here? How did we become so uncomfortable with this talk? Most parents freeze up when thinking of explaining where babies come from because they likely have no roadmap. Many of us did not get accurate information growing up, and determining when to talk to our kids about sexual and reproductive health is still intertwined with cultural and religious differences. Since many parents feel unprepared for this topic, we may fall back on what our parents did, which is likely not what this generation of kids needs to hear. In my opinion, gone are the days where we can shy away from talking to our kids and teens about sex, gender, abortion, race, guns, violence, and suicide. The reality is that our kids have the internet. They have rapid access to anything they are curious about. And so if we don't take the lead on these topics, then friends, romantic interests, and Google are the informants. But Google does not know your kid. 
I know it's scary to realize we can no longer stop all the information from reaching our kids, but the answer is not trying to control their access to all the information. In my opinion, the answer is to stay alert and join your child in these conversations. Listen to their questions and give them accurate, developmentally appropriate information. So the next thing we have to do is to get comfortable with the uncomfortable about this conversation. Another reason that we are often ill-prepared to field these questions is because they're always sprung on us. No child has ever said, Dad, I'm planning to ask you about sex tonight, so be prepared. Usually we're driving in the car and fielding questions about penises. At least that's my experience with my boys. So acknowledge your discomfort and notice if it makes you squirm, if it makes you avoid topics, or if it makes you want to speed up and make the conversation quick. Because when we shy away from these topics, we likely do less than an adequate job of teaching our children about their sexual and reproductive health, their rights to consent, and the expectations of respecting others' rights. If you catch yourself thinking your child is not old enough to know the details, putting it off onto your spouse, or leaving out important information, keep listening for a reframe on how to show up for the sex talks, yes, plural, talks, that your kid deserves. So in this week's Substack blog, I have several links you can go to. One is a link to Amy Lang at Birds and Beads and Kids. She has excellent information. One is about teaching kids about consent, not even related to sex. And then another is a video that you can watch with your kids about consent. Okay, so when and what are kids ready for? So at preschool age, if we truly want people to respect each other's bodies, we have to start teaching them this early. So generally speaking, preschool children are ready to learn about all body parts and the privacy of their parts. We can teach privacy without making it taboo. Teach young children that private parts are the ones underneath their bathing suit. You can use a book. I have links to this in the Substack blog this week. You can use books to help explain the real names for reproductive body parts. We can teach kids that they shouldn't show their private parts to anyone other than a doctor who is checking in on their health with a parent in the room or when they're taking a bath, and no one should ask to see their private parts. If you have ever lived with a preschool child, most are not shy about their bodies yet, so this talk is simply about privacy and safety. In fact, many preschoolers love their little naked bodies, if you've ever lived with one, and haven't felt the need for modesty yet. You can also teach preschoolers about consent to be in someone else's space when they're not wearing clothes. For example, when a sister doesn't want her brother's naked body on her bed, we teach the brother to follow that rule because that is her space. When playing in groups on the playground, we can teach kids that if a child does not want to be chased, then we stop chasing them. This takes practice, but it is the beginning of respecting others' boundaries. I wanna say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. 
The regulation roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the reframing behavior worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdremily.com tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdremily.com slash tracker to get started. In elementary school, children are ready to learn the biology of how babies are made and about upcoming puberty and body changes plus hormones. This is actually the best time to teach these things because they're not experiencing it yet. They're generally also not embarrassed yet about these conversations, so they're more open-minded to listening to the science behind what we have to say. They may think an idea is gross or silly, but you can laugh about it together. I mean, when you really think about it, some of these ideas are mind-blowing that we have the ability to grow people. Using books can be helpful too, and I again have some other links in the substack this week to help teach kids about the functions of their reproductive anatomy. Some of the best conversations happen at this elementary age because kids can learn about people being attracted to each other, but without the hormones on board, so they don't care about it quite yet. Okay, if you have a tween, which is technically that 9 to 12 age range, tweens need to be prepped on the idea that puberty is beginning, and so they may have feelings of attraction towards others. However, they may not act on that attraction unless it's mutual, just like referencing back to the playground game of chase. Tweens also have some really good questions, and if you have already established the ask-me-anything type of relationship, this is where you really have to get used to saying, I don't know, because they're going to ask you some stuff that you don't know. It's okay to not know the best way to respond to a question in the moment especially if you're thinking about how much to tell your tween. It's more than okay to say, let me think about that, and we'll talk about it later. So you have time to think through your response, keep it simple in answering questions, and when they stop asking you questions, that's all they want to know for now. We will always know more information than they need to hear at that moment. So just listen to what they ask and go with that. As the tweens become teenagers, their primary mode of socialization shifts from family to peers and interests, so it's normal for them to talk to peers even more about these topics. However, they will hear all kinds of things that may or may not be true. This is when you really reap the benefits of a trusting relationship that you've built with your child so that they can ask you about something they heard or saw or read online. And yes, they're going to Google stuff. This is why you want to have instilled in them a healthy sense of critical thinking so that when they read or hear about something that doesn't quite sound right, they question it and come to you or another trusted adult for clarification. So here are a few more tips. 
I always recommend that dads show up for their girls and moms show up for their boys. The reason is that you may feel ill-prepared to talk about an experience you have never had because you don't even have those body parts. But when boys ask questions about their penis, moms are usually quick to say, oh, let me get dad. Or when girls ask about their menstrual cycle, dads always opt out and run to get mom. So yes, one parent may likely have a better explanation that comes from experience, so they may do most of the talking, but when we run out of the room or get nervous and immediately dismiss what they're asking, we send the message that this is an uncomfortable topic. So even if your partner does most of the talking, try to be present for the conversation. Logistically, both parents won't be present for all of these conversations. Single parents have been handling these talks for years. Sharing different perspectives is powerful, and we can share those perspectives through stories too. The intention is that the child receives the message that you are comfortable with any and all questions. So speaking of questions, just keep following their questions. So as I mentioned before, you do not need to have all the answers in the moment. In fact, you won't have all the answers in the moment because it will almost always be a spontaneous conversation. Good teaching is filled with honest conversations, and at times you might need to pause, consult a friend, get the book that goes with that conversation, or Google something yourself to get prepared to explain something on your child's developmental level. Don't feel you need to over-prepare and have answers to every question that may come up. Just follow your child's questions. Your child will ask you things that you can easily answer, and then when you answer their questions, just stop and see if they have more questions. The rest of the conversation will continue later when they learn more and get more curious. Remember, talking about a child's sexual and reproductive health is never just one conversation. Children are developing human beings who deserve to develop their curiosities and conversations with a trusted adult over time. Consider your child's individual differences. So consider your child has specific brain wiring. If your child is impulsive, for instance, you're going to want them to understand their tendency to act without thinking prior to their hormones coming on the scene. If your child is a literal thinker, you may want to teach ideas about consent very clearly, like, quote, some people like this and some people don't. If someone says stop, you stop to help them understand that there will be some gray areas of consent, but that stop means stop. If your child has lagging social skills, it's likely that they may develop hormones earlier than they develop an interest in romantic relationships. These are situations in which you may need to reach out to a professional to help walk you through the best way to support your specific child throughout puberty. Above all, you want to start early, building your child's trust when discussing their sexual and reproductive health. Building trust means that you have to learn to tolerate these conversations so you can keep showing up as long as your child needs you. You are their safe person with the most accurate information. Google does not know your child's capacity to understand these things, but you do. You've got this, and I will see you next week. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. 
Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.